Welcome to Bite at a Time Books, where we read you your favorite classics one bite at a time. My name is Brie Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. You'll also find our new t-shirts in the shop, including podcast shirts and quote shirts from your favorite classic novels. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes. But also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show, and YouTube, where we have special behind-the-narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear what inspired your favorite classic authors to write their novels— and what was going on in the world at the time, check out the Bite at a Time books behind the story podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Please note, while we try to keep the text as close to the original as possible, some words have been changed to honor the marginalized communities who've identified the words as harmful and to stay in alignment with Bite at a Time books' brand values. Today we'll be continuing 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. By Jules Verne. Chapter 9. Ned Land's Tempers. How long we slept, I do not know. But our sleep must have lasted long, for it rested us completely from our fatigues. I woke first. My companions had not moved and were still stretched in their corner. Hardly roused from my somewhat hard couch, I felt my brain freed, my mind clear. I then began an attentive examination of our cell. Nothing was changed inside. The prison was still a prison. The prisoners... Prisoners. However, the steward, during our sleep, had cleared the table. I breathed with difficulty. The heavy air seemed to oppress my lungs. Although the cell was large, we had evidently consumed a great part of the oxygen that it contained. Indeed, each man consumes in one hour the oxygen contained in more than 176 pints of air, and this air, charged as then with a nearly equal quantity of carbonic acid, becomes unbreathable. It became necessary to renew the atmosphere of our prison, and no doubt the hole in the submarine boat. That gave rise to a question in my mind. How would the commander of this floating dwelling place proceed? Would he obtain air by chemical means? In getting by heat the oxygen contained in chlorate of potash, and in absorbing carbonic acid by caustic potash? Or a more convenient, economical, and consequently more probable alternative? Would he be satisfied to rise and take breath at the surface of the water like a cetacean, and so renew for 24 hours the atmospheric provision? In fact, I was already obliged to increase my respirations to eke out of this cell the little oxygen it contained, when suddenly I was refreshed by a current of pure air, and perfumed with saline emanations. It was an invigorating sea breeze, charged with iodine. I opened my mouth wide, and my lungs saturated themselves with fresh particles. At the same time, I felt the boat rolling. The iron-plated monster had evidently just risen to the surface of the ocean to breathe, after the fashion of whales. I found out from that the mode of ventilating the boat. When I had inhaled this air freely, I sought the conduit pipe, which conveyed to us the beneficial whiff, and I was not long in finding it. Above the door was a ventilator. 
through which volumes of fresh air renewed the impoverished atmosphere of the cell. I was making my observations when Ned and Conceal awoke almost at the same time under the influence of this reviving air. They rubbed their eyes, stretched themselves, and were on their feet in an instant. Did Master sleep well? asked Conceal with his usual politeness. Very well, my brave boy. And you, Mr. Land? Soundly, Professor. But I don't know if I'm right or not. There seems to be a sea breeze. A seaman cannot be mistaken. And I told the Canadian all that had passed during his sleep. Good, said he. That accounts for those roarings we heard when the supposed narwhal sighted the Abraham Lincoln. Quite so, Master Land. It was taking breath. Only Mr. Aranax, I have no idea what o'clock it is unless it is dinner time. Dinner time, my good fellow. Say, rather breakfast time, for we certainly have begun another day. So, said Conceal, we have slept 24 hours? That is my opinion. I will not contradict you, replied Ned Land. But dinner or breakfast, the steward will be welcome, whichever he brings. Master Land, we must conform to the rules on board, and I suppose our appetites are in advance of the dinner hour. That is just like you, friend Conceal said Ned impatiently. You are never out of temper, always calm. You would return thanks before grace and die of hunger rather than complain. Time was getting on, and we were fearfully hungry. And this time, the steward did not appear. It was rather long to leave us, if they really had good intentions towards us. Ned Land, tormented by the cravings of hunger, got still more angry. And notwithstanding its promise, I dreaded an explosion when he found himself with one of the crew. For two hours more, Ned Land's temper increased. He cried. He shouted, but in vain. The walls were deaf. There was no sound to be heard in the boat. All was still as death. It did not move. For I should have felt the trembling motion of the hull under the influence of the screw. Plunged in the depths of the waters, it belonged no longer to earth. This silence was dreadful. I felt terrified. Conceal was calm. Ned Land roared. Just then, a noise was heard outside. Steps sounded on the metal flags. The locks were turned. The door opened, and the steward appeared. Before I could rush forward to stop him, the Canadian had thrown him down and held him by the throat. The steward was choking under the grip of his powerful hand. Conceal was already trying to unclasp the harpooner's hand from his half-suffocated victim, and I was going to fly to the rescue when suddenly I was nailed to the spot by hearing these words in French. Be quiet, Master Land, and you, Professor, will you be so good as to listen to me? Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books today, while well, we read a bite of one of your favorite classics. Again, my name is Brie Carlisle, and I hope you come back tomorrow for the next bite of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com and check out the shop. You can check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the rest of the links for our show. We'd love to hear from you on social media as well.